guys. Good to see you. I'm Josh. I lead the team here. Welcome to Revive Church, church formerly known as Clark Fork City Church. Formerly. Hey, if you can find the book of 1 John, we're going to begin there and actually kind of stay there uh, for the message today, chapter 2. Great job, Kay, and sharing an amazing offering, uh, encouragement and exhortation for us today. We started a series last week called The Gospel, and actually kind of since Easter, this has been on my heart to talk about what is, what is the, the gospel, what does it mean to us, and how do we, how do we communicate it. And uh, one of the reasons we're trim today is uh, on Easter, we started a new congregation in the Bitterroot down by Stevensville, the turn to Stevensville on 93, uh, Revive Bitterroot, amazing stuff. Uh, I got a text during the meeting that they had 77 people there today in their third service, which is great. So there's, there's probably 50 regulars that are gone from here down there, and then some guests that are with them, and God's doing a new thing in us. We're, we're one church in three places as of uh, now. Tonight we'll be downtown at 6 p.m. in the public house, so great stuff. There's also a young adult retreat as we speak at the Deep Creek Prayer Retreat Center, uh, where Ben and Heather and team are leading, uh, they'll be back for the service tonight. But there's a lot going on, and God's moving in us as a church. He's, he's doing a great work. I had a, a cool email from uh, John Lumen over at Sovereign Hope. He leads that church. And he said, can you let your ladies know that the uh, National Day of Prayer is coming up? And uh, he said, I, I probably don't need to remind them because every time this happens in the city, they've hosted it a couple years now. He said, every day the national day of prayer happens, your church has the highest attendance. So that's really great. It's the, I think it's the ladies' day of prayer. Is that what it is? Oh, it is the national day of prayer. Gathering for ladies. Okay. So... Yeah, when I said National Day of Prayer, I thought, fellas, um, you can maybe try to go, but they'll run you out. Um, But May 3rd, Jennifer, where are you at, Jen? Right back here, has postcards for that, as well as some great stuff going on in our women's ministry. And finally, we got a few spots for our Encounter Weekend that's coming up in May. I think the first weekend in May, a few spots for guys, especially that's an amazing time to connect with God, be challenged in your faith, and, and grow, find hope and healing, and go for God in an amazing way. So um, that's actually one more kind of a, a notice, a great notice. Cameron and Lorene Oliver had, uh, I sh- shouldn't say Cameron and Lorene, Lorene had their baby. <laughs> right, that's good news. Uh, Christopher Stephen Oliver Cameron and Lorene lead our youth ministry here, so uh, they'll be here, I'm sure, next Sunday to, to show off that beautiful baby. My wife always reminded me, we're not having a baby, I'm having a baby. <laughs> you be there to help, but I'm having the baby. <laughs> it always made me laugh when said, yeah, we're having a baby. Well, anyway, beside the point, uh, who's ready to hear about the gospel, the good news? 1 John 2, 15 to 17. I'm, I'm ready to share this today. I'm excited. I talked to you about uh, 
Last week, we talked about why we need the gospel and what it does. And just to quickly review and then forecast next Sunday, last week we talked about the gospel restructures our heart. Gritty message about the cross and Hosea and Abraham last week about how God restructures our heart. Then the gospel uh, removes sin. That's what we're going to talk about today, how the gospel removes sin from our life and then Uh, next week, how the gospel reverses our values, actually totally changes the values, the things that we hold dear. The gospel reverses those. Is anyone here today? See, secularism would be or self-discovery, finding yourself through yourself or having self-discovery, that's secularism. Uh, having moral conformity, that would be religion. That would be trying to do good, to be good, and to, make, to appease God. That would be religion. We're talking the gospel. We're talking relationship. We're talking God coming down. And see, religion is God, uh, man trying to get to God. Christianity is God coming down and saving man on a cross and through an empty tomb. That's what the gospel is. And there's these amazing effects of the gospel. And today we're going to talk about Removing sin. How many like that? That's a good idea. That's a, a God idea. It's a good thing. We're going to talk about smashing idols, idols today. We're not only going to smash them, we're going to drive over them with a big old pickup. Four-wheel drive. Just ram, ram them over with the gospel. Are you with me today? See, the gospel is saved. It's it, Next week, I, I can't wait for next week. See, we're not saved. Uh, we're not under the law. We're saved by grace through faith. That's a reversal, reversal of values. If I'm not careful, we'll go into next week. I can't wait for that. But he restructures our heart. He removes sin, and he reverses our values. Uh, let's look at 1 John 2 verse 15. Only a few scriptures today. You've got to really lean in and listen. S- super simple, but I think what I share today will be totally profound and bring effect to your life if you can get these simple things. How do we remove sin? Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, there's three things, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, and whoever does the will of God will abide forever. Someone say amen. In uh, basketball... And don't worry, the basketball season's coming to a close. I'll stop with the basketball illustrations. Dusty, you'd like this one. Uh, I was taught as a young player, when you catch the ball, you know, you don't, you don't catch the ball and kind of hold it like this, right? <laughs> oh, come on, I'm not going with Larry this time, although I should. He's the greatest of all time. Thanks for that material. You can't guard him. You can only hope to contain him. Um, when you catch the ball, there's a, a stance called the triple threat. And you're like this. You catch the ball and you're ready. Because you can do th- three things. You can dribble, you can pass, right? Or you can 
shoot. I could never shoot. I could only pass. So I was a point guard. But that's it's true. Uh, it's the triple threat. And I think, I don't think, as I read this scripture, I was reminded that this, the things we listened, heard, this is the devil's triple threat. Because he's ready, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? He comes, it's not to pass, dribble, and to shoot. It's through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things, those three main temptations that they're not new. They've been going from, from the beginning, right? In Genesis 3 when uh, the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field and he came to tempt Adam and Eve. And he said, don't you know, man, if you eat the fruit of the tree, you will be like God. And isn't it funny? The devil doesn't tempt you to say, eat this and you'll be like me. Anyone want to sign up to be like the devil today? Man, I, I, I woke up and I, I want to be like Satan today. Right? Anyone ever wake up and do that just out of nature? Maybe bizarro. You know, if you're way off, we're way out there, tripolar, way in the stratosphere somewhere, you want to be like Satan. But he says, no, eat this and you'll be like God. And he, and he uses these three things, the lust of the eyes. They saw the fruit for it looked good to eat. He's not going to tempt them with some nasty old fruit, some, right? Something that doesn't look good. So the lust of the flesh, the, uh, later on, there's a, there's famous temptations in the Bible. As I thought about temptation and sin, I thought about Samson. Do you guys know Samson? He's this strong guy. He was a Nazarite, long hair. Whenever I picture him, I think of Fabio, you know, kind of, hmm, just not like me. But, I, you know, kind of, I'm Samson, shirt off, flowing hair, long hair, strong as can be, right? But it says Samson saw a woman. And through his eyes, through that temptation, the, the lust of the eyes, he's drawn into this illicit relationship. And even though he's a strong man on the outside and on the inside and has this supernatural power from God, he fell to this great temptation, right? I think of Judas, who was Jesus' one of his disciples and his treasurer, who always saw the money and he was, he was desiring after the money and after the treasure. And it says he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Imagine that temptation of turning in the Son of God, what he had to be going through. He, it was so great. The, the pain of the sin and everything he did was so great, he took his own life. Are you with me? There's amazing, there's a temptation in Matthew 4, probably the most uh, amazing to us because it was Jesus and Satan head to head in the, in the wilderness. And Jesus, he hadn't eaten for 40 days and he hungry. Jess started calling it hangry, is it hangry? I'm hangry, yeah, not you, <laughs> me. That's when you're like, you haven't eaten and you've got like the blood sugar thing and you're like kind of tweaking out a bit, you need to eat, you're angry and hungry, that's hangry. Anyone else? Okay, okay, go Larry Bird. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, come on. So Jesus in the wilderness, and he said, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Man, a, man this, this lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Take yourself to the, he took him to the pinnacle of the temple. Throw yourself down, and you'll be raised up again. You know why I think that temptation is amazing is because it's religious in nature. Jesus' first miracle was the wedding in Canaan we talked about a few weeks ago. But the devil's temptation was to say, come to the temple, the pinnacle, the place of all faith. They, they said there's an open heaven over the temple. That's what Jews believe because uh, God kind of came there. Go to that place, throw yourself down in front of everyone, and you'll be raised up. That had to be tempting for Jesus. But it was kind of the right thing at the wrong time in the wrong place. See, he's going to die another way, and the devil came to tempt him in this way that would have been appealing and would have been powerful. And then he showed him the kingdoms of the world, right? He took him to a high mountain and said, look at the kingdoms of the world. If you bow down and worship me, they're all yours. Thank God for a savior without sin and the power to beat temptation, right? That's how we win. We, it's not in how great we are, and this is the, kind of the end of the message in reverse, but it's not how great we are and how religious we are. It's the fact that Jesus Christ, our Savior, that's the gospel. See, God loves you and has a plan for your life. Because of sin, we're removed and separated from that plan. But God, Je Jesus came down and was, took the punishment for our sin on himself at the cross so we can have relationship with God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. So how does it remove sin? And let's, can we look at these a little bit more, three, sin, three temptations? If you said no, I'd probably keep going. <laughs> the first, the lust of the eyes, or desires the, the eyes is, the, there it is, desires the flesh, that's the temptation to feel. And I just need to feel something. I need to, I need to be inspired. I need something to make me feel different. I need something to make me feel better. I need something to, man, I, I'm so down, and I need something external to come into my life and, and give me a feeling again. It's the first great temptation, the temptation to feel. I'm so glad the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's an alternative to tasting from the world or when Jesus looked, turned these stones into bread. That had to be so tempting after 40 days of not eating, right? And so there's the temptation to feel. You don't have to raise your hand, but anyone ever struggle with that? If people have put you down or uh, you've been discouraged for a long period of time and, and maybe, maybe there's chemical imbalance in your life, uh, you may be looking for something else to replace those feelings of needing to feel, the temptation to feel, the desires of the flesh. Maybe you're naturally predisposed to addiction or uh, that's how you're wired and, and you need something in your life to feel better then you would deal with the temptation to feel. The next one, the next to the triple threat, is the desires of the eyes. That's the temptation to have. Right? I see it and I need it. 
I want to have that. I, I need that in my life to be fulfill, fulfilled. It's why Jesus said, or God said in the Ten Commandments, thou shall not covet, right, your neighbor's wife. I see you looking at his wife, <laughs> right? I see you looking. See, guys, listen, let me make this distinction with sin and temptation. A thought is not sin, You guys got quiet on me. Is this too heavy today? A thought is not sin. You may have a passing thought that comes into your mind and like, wow, I'm kind of interested in that or her or him or whatever it might be. A thought is not, not sin, but when it moves from a thought to intent, then it's sin. I would intend in my heart to do that, even something you don't do. That's why Jesus said if you lust after a woman in your heart, you're committing adultery. Work with me today, right? If you have lust in your heart, if you see something and have to have it, that's a temptation to have. I need to have that. Eve saw the fruit and desired it. It was good to see with the eyes, but also, man, I would have that, and and then I can be like God. She moved into the third temptation, which is a temptation to be Pride of life. I can be somebody. I wasn't going to share this, but I am in all transparency. This is kind of silly but funny. I drove to uh, the store to get propane because our family loves fire. We do. We're burning, we're burning, all joking, we're burning brush piles from, it's so fun. Glory. Anyone with me? So there's not three, there's four, actually four sins, the, the pyrotechnic, like, yeah. Um, well, I pulled out, I brought these tanks of propane and went into the store and said, hey, then the propane guy come, and he came, and he said, he started asking me funny questions. Where are you from? Who are you? Where do you live? And, um, well, I don't, well, yeah, no, they're not going there. Um, he said, um, well, the girl inside said that you're famous. And you can laugh. I know. <laughs> laugh. <laughs> That's what my wife did. She laughed. She's like, what? Well, the girl, and, uh, maybe it was my outfit was going for me or something. I did my hairs or looked halfway decent, you know. Remember to not have my shirt halfway untucked and got my buttons right that day. You know, I don't know what it, what it was, but... The girl inside said, you're fa- a famous person. And I said, no, just a regular guy. And then he, he goes, just a regular guy, huh? <laughs> I'm going, what is this? And so I don't know who they thought I was. I didn't ask. I was embarrassed, but went in and paid. And then all of a sudden, what's funny, it, you know what? I don't, I've never been one to care what people say about me. I don't care what car I drive. I don't need to look a certain way. You guys know that. I don't need to put off a vibe. But all of a sudden, with that one comment, the girl inside said this. All of a sudden, there's this temptation to be. And I'm just being honest because if it's me, it's any one of us to feel, to have, to be. At any moment, at any day, the devil can come in and go, oh, yeah, you're somebody. Mm, Yeah, 
I kind of am. I kind of walk out of the store like, yeah. You know, hmm. Right? <laughs> right? What is it to bring this home and to bring it serious? What is it that cranks your tractor? To have, you know, to have, to feel? Man, I... I've been so hurt. I need to feel something. Some of you get into relationships you shouldn't be in or you look to the guy or to the gal to make you feel better. And isn't it funny that good things can become ultimate things. And when good things in life become ultimate things, they become idols. That's what idols are. And they could be, they could be religious things. They could be, we often in church talk about the drugs and the alcohol and addictions and kind of illicit things. But what about when good things become an ultimate thing? I read in my Bible where Jacob's wife was Rachel. And she said, give me children or I die. Right? You know that story? She couldn't have kids. And in that culture and in that time frame, if a woman, all through the Old Testament, you see women that were barren couldn't have a child. It's why that scripture in Isaiah about the barren woman is so powerful. When it says, sing barren woman, you who never bore a child. Sing woman, O desolate, uh, more the children of the desolate than those who have kids. It's this reverse weird scripture, but God's saying, the Lord is your husband. Even if you're barren, sing, right? Sing it out. You're desolate and barren. Sing. Well, Rachel uh, couldn't have kids, and if you couldn't have kids, your family literally could not survive. You had 10 kids because maybe three or four would survive, right? And all through, you see women who couldn't have children, and Rachel came to the point where, give me this child or I die, but I think in that culture especially, it, it can be an idol. A good thing can become an ultimate thing, and then it's an idol. Is anyone with me today? See, if there's something in your life that if it went away and you can't live, then it's an idol. If it's a relationship, if it's a person, if they go away, and, man, you just can't live without them or that thing, then it's, you've made it an ultimate thing, Right? Even in the best relationships, our, our spouses, our husbands, our wives are amazing, but they're not our savior. They're not our savior. They're not the person you rely on. You have Jesus, and you, you give all you can to them, but don't make good things ultimate things. Give me children or I'll, I die. What is, whatever that is in your life, if there's a, a thing you've made an ultimate thing, then it's sin. It needs, the gospel needs to remove it. So maybe it's temptation to feel or have, right, or be. Maybe it's in how you look and what you drive, and, man, you want people to notice you. Guys, the good news today, and there's three antidotes, actually, three things that, how many, how many want the good news? We all know, we can all relate to those three things. But Jesus' death on the cross and rising from the grave, he purchased us not only new life in heaven, I think the gospel goes further than a few points. It gives us the power to live a Christ-centered life free from sin and addiction and pain, right? And for the next world that's, that's to come, 
How do you, how do you break these? Do you want to know? Good. Uh, temptation to feel. Uh, it's integrity. The key to overcoming the temptation to feel is integrity. The Latin, the, this comes from a Latin word which means integer. Integer. You know what that means? You know what that word means? Wholeness. An in- integer, a whole number. A, it, it's, uh, it's one thing. It's not anything else. Integrity is being whole. It's being a, a person of, see, and actually, did I miss a slide back a minute ago? Let's back up because this is good. Temptation to, ha- to feel, have, and be. Another way to put it is sex salary status. Sex salary status. What is it that, that gets your goat or cranks your tractor? The, the way we overcome the temptation to feel or, or this uh, innate or uh, the wrong kind of sex desires is integrity, being whole. Anyone know what the Titanic myth is? They believe the Titanic was unsinkable. Right? And the ship was this amazing engineering for those days, but the ship had all these different compartments. And they said, and one of the reasons they went so fast and uh, surged ahead, even into the foggy night where there's icebergs and the report had come, was if we take a hit and one of the, one of the compartments is breached, this sink, ship can't sink. So what happened, it, it, they actually hit an iceberg and it took two hours for the unsinkable ship to go down to the bottom of the sea because one of the compartments was breached. And one of the, the myths we live in is I can live in church this way and my Christian life's over here, but this other part of my life, you know, I, I can take on water, I'm not really going to sink. I can, I can do this over here and I can just give in to something just a little bit and I'll be fine, but that's a myth. The problem is we're giving in to the lust of the flesh, this, this temptation to feel, this thing to, I gotta have something to make me feel better. Jesus' answer is integrity, being a whole person, and it's not try, try, try. That's not Christianity. It's done, done, done. Jesus completed the work. He faced temptation. And so we actually don't have to, we actually do have to work at our integrity, but it's his integrity we need, not man-made. Do you remember the Sunday, is it Sunday school song? The joy of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't know the rest of the words. The Lord is my strength. Have you ever tried to have you ever tried to make your own joy? I'm gonna be happy today. I'm gonna do this, and if I do that, I'm gonna have joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's the same with integrity. We can try to dress ourselves up and clean up all we want to, but we need to go to the most integral man who ever lived and hide in him like Colossians says, I'm hidden in Christ. So when the father looks down, he doesn't see me in my sin. He sees his son who in him, he's well pleased. Everyone say integrity. 
It's how we beat the, that lust of uh, the flesh, the desire to feel good. The next is um, desire of the eyes, the temptation to have. How do we overcome that? Kay talked about it today. Generosity. That's a good word right there. Desire to have. How do you, the salary, all the things, everything you want to pile up in your life. How do you get over that? Generosity. Being a generous church, a generous people, someone that gives your coat off, the, off their, your back, someone that goes further and, and does more and prays and, and encapsulates the gospel in this word generosity. Okay, you can't have my trophies, by the way. <laughs> that was awesome. I'll give everything away, but not those. You know what? We sing in church, we give in church, and one of the reasons we do that is I think sometimes we need, we need practice and we need reminding. Why do we receive an offering? Because we're not naturally inclined to be generous. Some of you are, maybe, maybe there's a few select people, like 5% of the population that give everything away and they don't have anything. They're kind of crazy with it. But gener generosity, generosity is hard. To give someone your best and to give God the, not, the, not what's at the end of the month, but to give them our best, our first fruits, our best gifts, to live in a generous way. One of the, asked her, this church went through a ton of transition and struggle and difficulty financially and kind of losing some numbers. We moved into this big building and went through all these kind of trials and I had just started leading this church and got the finance reports. And the report said we were about, this is four or five years ago, the report said that you're going to finish the year about $40,000 in the hole. <laughs> We'd need one of those $90,000 offerings. And we were just going into a series for the holidays, and you guys blow me away with all the giving around Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the gifts that go out of here. It is unbelievable. And I had this series idea called Let's Lead the Way in Generosity. So we're doing that on this side. Man, we're going to give till we bleed. You ever say that? Wee, this will be fun. Let's give. And then over here, I got the report going, oh, I lost my job. <laughs> Church is failing. You know, and to be honest, everything in me wanted to go, you know what, we need to do an offering. We're behind. We're doing this and that, and we're not going to make it. I wanted to do one of those kind of appeals, and maybe you do at times, right? Just tighten the belt, and, and let's kind of ride this out. And I felt like God said, no, I gave you the right word. The word for now for your church is to lead the way in generosity. And guys, I thought, I asked the team, think of ways we can give. And then they came back and I'm like, this is too much. <laughs> we had too much before we decided to do Christmas for all the city food kids. And then we said, well, sign up kids. We'll get them gifts. Well, there was like 110 kids wanted gifts. <sighs> Little vagrants. <laughs> what are they wanting gifts for? So, yeah, get the gifts. We're going to buy Christmas for as many kids. That... 
a hundred kids. I'm just being real today. Um, and so God's word was lead the way in generosity and then fear comes, you know, and so temptation to have and to hoard and to keep, that power, that temptation, that sin is broken with generosity. Finally, the pride of life, the temptation to be, that's broken through humility. Humility. Integrity, generosity, humility. See, humility isn't just admitting, uh, ignoring what your strengths are. Right? You see people going all the, t- all the time with kind of false humility. Well, you know, I know it wasn't me. I'm not that great. Right? That's not humility. Humility is being honest with what your weaknesses are. Not just not ignoring your strengths. It's saying, man, I have a weakness. There's an opening in my life. I need help. I need someone to help me and uh, encourage me and pray for me. So anytime you're in church and you're struggling with something that's bigger than yourself, a temptation greater than you, it would be pride to go out the door and not say something because you want everyone else to think you're something you're not. And God wants you to be humble and like in James says, confess your sins one to another and you'll be made whole. So the temptation to be will come at us and want us to to present our ways, ourself in a way that really isn't true. It's really a lie. Well, I'm smarter then if you're the spiritual answer guy. Well, I have all the answers and... Right, or if you maybe the sin and the temptation is is it's your spirituality and, and you see yourself as better than other people, you look down on people in a humble circumstance. Then you're dealing with the temptation to be, trying to be something you're not. And we get over it through humility. What a fun word. You ever pray? It's like praying for patience. You ever pray for that? I started to one time and I was like, God, give me patience. Wait. Because if you ask for patience, he teaches it to you. He gives you five kids. Right? <laughs> Dear Lord. Some, how many believe we're supposed to be blessed in God? How many believe we're supposed to go through trials? It's better than I thought. Oh, it's pretty good. Both are, both are a temptation and both are the two major tests and the, tests and the temptation to be. See, when you're, when you're blessed, the temptation is to think you did it and you deserve it and you, you earned it. So blessing can be as a great a temptation as struggles. And when you're struggling and you're, you're going through a trial, the temptation is to, to think that God has abandoned you. Right, God, where are you? Why did you do this to me? I'm struggling here. Doesn't anyone care? I came to church and no one talked to me. See, we do, we do the, you guys say those things. Not you, other the people in the bitter that didn't come. <laughs> right? So, see, our temptation to be 
we go. So sometimes we're like on a roller coaster, a Christian faith. I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm down because I'm going through trials and I'm blessed and we don't know how to handle either of them if our identity is not in Christ, found in him, right? Found in the one, the maker of the heaven, the earth that, that did it for us all. So I wonder today, um, Bless you. Is God more appealing than that triple threat? <laughs> right here comes the devil. Dribble, pass, shoot. He's, he's ready. He, isn't he? You always go, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? He, he knows what makes us tick. Right? He knows what makes you tick. He knows, he knows how to come at you and come with angles and, and be ready. He's always ready. He is a liar. He's a liar, but thank goodness for Jesus and his integrity. Wow, his integrity to be a whole, whole man. The, he didn't give up anything. He didn't give an inch. That's where we find our integrity. Look at Jesus' generosity. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we can become the righteousness of God, the most generous man on the face of the earth. And look at his humility. He humbled himself to the form of a servant. When he said to his disciples, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Maybe it's over simple today, guys, but if we can get that integrity and generosity and humility, I, I think it's a game changer. It's a, a life lesson. Write it in your Bible. Memorize it and say, God, I, I need that from you. And when I have that, we're going to reflect something to the, to, the, to the world in our city that's the gospel, that's the good news. Not a broken down, worn out church that gives in, but a church that's triumphant and powerful, right, and giving. Can we be that kind of church? Let's pray. You can stand to your feet. Father, thank you today. Thank you today for your goodness and your grace and your mercy, God, and thank you that you restructure our heart in a way that only you can, and you remove sin and I pray today with, I know my words are simple, God, but your, your strength is, you're so powerful. Would you please help remove sin today? You can't remove temptation because we'll always be tempted, but you'll give us strength in the temptation. And whether today we came in blessed or we came in in the middle of trials, would you help us find the, uh, your guiding light and your truth today? And I pray today, if maybe there's people today who came in, uh, they've given in to temptation and they feel bad about that. Thank you, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if they're not in Christ, I pray today they would find the gospel and be saved. So I pray, Lord, would you please help us today. I want to know, covered a lot today, and I want to know if there's anyone that needs strength. Maybe you're the person that said, 
uh, I'll never do that again. And you did it again. And the devil's just run roughshod over you. You've made you feel bad for what you've done or what you've said or what's been done to you even. And it's made you feel less than human. It's made you feel like the gospel can't or wouldn't apply to you. If you need prayer, fighting the temptations to have, feel, or be, if there's anyone like that today, please let me pray for you. Would you raise your hand? Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Come on, gospel. Come on, good news. <laughs> if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but just throw your hands. Just hold them in the air if you're just out in front of you or throw them up high if that's you. God, we pray today. Come on, church, pray with me. Battles are being fought and battles are being won through the power of the gospel. We ask today, would you rain down on our brothers and sisters who need your power and your strength, your good news, not just as a fire escape to heaven and get out of hell. We want to live victorious lives here on earth. Please help us today. Would you rain down and, and send your good news, the gospel, I pray in, in Revive Church, there would be a, a revitalization, a revival of what the gospel means. Come on, ask with me. God, send your good news to our city. Send it to the prison. Send it to the halfway houses. Send it to the, send it to the uh, homes across our city. Send it to the schools, Lord. Send it to the university. Let your gospel come with us. We want to be bearers of good news. And would you rain down freedom on your church and everyone that needs it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to, I'd like to have our ministry team uh, come up. If you need prayer today, you need to respond and you go, wow, man, I just want to fight the good fight and continue. You lifted your hand and you just need more. You need someone to agree with you. I know there's I, I felt this, um, there's a scripture that came to mind and it's off topic and I, I wasn't going to share it, but I think I should. And I didn't memorize it, so. Luke 5, 17, one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal all their sick. Wow. Imagine, there's Jesus, but the power of his power was present to heal all the sick. Another version says, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Or the power of the Lord was with them to heal, or it was present to heal all the sick. And I think today there's an amazing anointing for healing both emotional, spiritual, physical. If you need healing today, would you run up front? Physical healing, would you run up front? Please, we want to pray for you. God's presence is here. And if you can pray, man, come up and join us. You don't need to be on the ministry team. It, it's great if you are, but come pray for anyone that needs it because it's the gospel. When he comes, he heals. Amen? You guys are awesome. See the table for Encounter Weekend out there if you need to sign up for that. Grab a guest pack or for your new believer.
There's a table out there. Candy will be out there. You can fill out the connection card on the notice you got as you came in. But let's pray today as we conclude. You guys otherwise are dismissed. Have an awesome Sunday.